Hello and welcome to episode 29 of the Sustainable E-Commerce Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build your brand for a healthier planet. Once again, I'm your host, Giles Smith, and I do love it when I get to introduce you guys to some of the people who have really inspired and influenced me over the years. We had Zoltan Saki on a few weeks ago, and today I'd like to introduce you to someone else who's been quietly guiding me for years. Chloe Thomas is a UK-based e-commerce expert and former agency owner who's actually been around the game even longer than me. She's written multiple books on the subject, is regularly asked to be a keynote speaker, and hosts not one, but two e-commerce and marketing podcasts, chalking up well over 500 episodes. In 2022, she's repositioned her show, The E-Commerce Master Plan, to have an increased focus on sustainability, which of course makes for a very interesting dynamic given her insights into what's happening in the Northern Hemisphere. Naturally, when two podcast hosts get together, we pretty much immediately go off track. But do keep listening to the end because the UK has always been ahead of us here in Australia. And what's happening there is often a really good yardstick of what's to come down here. So with that, let's start the show. Chloe Thomas, welcome to the show. Hello, Giles. Thanks so much for inviting me on. It's awesome to be chatting with you. You know what? They say never meet your heroes, but I'm going to debunk that because uh, as I will have introduced by now the in, in the intro to this show, you are one of my heroes when it comes to podcasting. And, and since oh, wow. getting to know you, you are one of the most genuine, friendly helpful and knowledgeable people in this space and so i just knew i wanted some of that to transfer into my audience as well so thank you so much for joining me i really i really appreciate you being here oh how humbling thank you i sound that sounds really pretentious now how humbling but i'm literally slightly stuck for words which means i'm just going to waffle at you for a second or two um yeah Thank you. That's very kind of you. It's a pleasure, Chloe, and, it, and it's genuinely uh, my experience today. Not that we know each other very, very well, but um, but I've certainly enjoyed chatting with you, you know, um, so far. So I thought what would be really interesting today would be to kind of compare because we're on a similar kind of journey, you and I, in mm-hmm. terms of what we're doing with our podcasts. But before we get into all of that, for in just in case, in the unlikely event that anybody doesn't know Chloe Thomas and doesn't know the e-commerce master plan podcast, can you introduce both of those to us here so we know who we're talking to? Yeah, sure. So I'm Chloe Thomas. I've been in this wonderful world of e-commerce for almost 20 years now. I started out working for a UK high street retailer, running their catalog mailings and their online stuff. So yeah, we were trying to do Omnichannel in 2003. Uh, which was a lot harder than it is today, but, yeah, wow. but everyone still makes the same same mistakes. Then I went and became head of e-commerce for a group of mail order businesses, which was that those I describe as my child in the candy shop years because it was just so much fun. Uh, then that became a marketing agency that I ran for 10 years, spent five years trying to get out of. And my exit strategy was e-commerce master plan, uh, which originally was kind of a coaching and consulting idea. And then I discovered podcasting. Yeah. And um, that's been the last seven years has been learning more about podcasting, growing the podcast and using that medium and uh, kind of virtual content mediums to help as many businesses as possible. Yeah, right. So there you go. Right there, folks. Um, 
super, super knowledgeable, been doing this since the year dot when e-commerce really wasn't even a thing. I won't even call it a, a spark in its daddy's eye at that point, 2003. Um, and obviously run an agency, a bit like myself as well. So, um, you know, similar sort of background uh, there, which 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 should make for a very interesting tic-tac on the podcast, I think. So I'm quite excited. Yeah, this could go anywhere. <laughs> it could go, any, could, could go anywhere. Anyway, sure. They also say never get two podcast hosts on the same podcast because it'll think things could get very messy. I, I've done it as myself and it can go crazy. <laughs> Let's get yes. on to what we want to talk about today because uh, your podcast, e-commerce master plan and mine are on a similar journey and focusing these days on sustainable brands and doing things sustainably, which I love. And I thought it would be really fun to compare notes across the businesses that we work with and the businesses that we've interviewed as to what's happening in the North and South. Is it the same stuff? Are different things happening? Are people doing things in different ways? Um, so maybe just from what you've sort of picked up from the from the market over there, what's happening in the marketplace for sustainability up in the Northern Hemisphere, up in the UK? What's happening that way? Well, it's it's a, it's a tricky one to answer because there's kind of like where I think we should be and then there's the reality of where we are. And we were we were heading on quite a nice trajectory as we came out of the uh, the pandemic of people caring more about the planet and certainly saying they cared more about the planet and sustainable decisions and carbon and so forth. And, you know, that's that's continuing as a news story. And I think people are continuing to care somewhat about it. But I find that now in the industry, you know, talking the e-commerce industry rather than the consumer perspective on it all, there's those brands who are all embracing it and who are doing a mar- many of them are doing a marvelous job of proving that sustainability it does not preclude profitability, which I think is excellent. Um, I think that that's kind of like a big message we need at the moment is becoming sustainable doesn't, is it not going to cost you more? It's not going to be more difficult. It's not going to stop you from getting customers. But I think a lot of brands and we've this summer, we've surveyed our audience. And one of the questions I asked them was, you know, have you noticed our new focus on net zero and sustainability? Do you care? And um, we have maybe maybe 30, something or somewhere in the region of maybe 50 responses to that question in total. And two people were climate change deniers. Love the podcast, love what we do. And and everybody, we've been, every single guest on the show has had some element of sustainability or net zero since last December. Um, you know, so we've definitely been talking about it. We're, we're more, here's some awesome e-commerce and we'll give you a side helping of sustainability than sustainability front and centre all the time. But we've been all about it. And so they love what we're doing, but they're still saying, oh, it doesn't it doesn't, doesn't apply to me or I don't think it's real. Um, I don't think humanity could destroy the planet. I'm like, really? I, I, I read those. I was quite flabbergasted. And it's kind of brought me to the point that I see there's, there's kind of, I think as e-commerce, people in the e-commerce industry, we have a moral responsibility to help consumers change their buying behaviour yeah. around sustainability because we are part, we are a massive part of the problem and i was hoping that in the maybe the next 12 18 months we'd be at the point where we where everybody would be trying to be more sustainable and maybe in the next 2 or 3 years i'd be in the point where on my podcast which is we're a bit further up the funnel than your podcast when it comes to the sustainability message. But I hope my podcast, we'd have got to the point where I could say to someone, do you think there's a place for your business? You know, if I had one of the big fast fashion companies on, do you think there's a place for your business in the future of the human friendly planet? Yeah. Should you exist? I think we're a lot further away from that. 
if we carry on on the same trajectory because I think my audience are not as all embracing of sustainability as I want them to be it's like a side play so which has really changed my thinking on what I'm going to be doing next year we're still going to carry on with it but I need to work harder on bringing them in with the marketing clever stuff and then hitting them harder once they get there with the sustainability messaging so to be more of a catalyst for making people think about it than and take action rather than being a celebration just of those who have um, but I want to go a little bit deeper and be a bit more sort of and narrowing the focus a little bit, because what I think is interesting about that is, you know, obviously you've got you, you've by by design and by history more than anything else, got a much broader uh, audience of brands that listen to what you have to say. And I've always been specifically about sustainable brands. So uh, so two diff- very different demographics of brands there. Number one. But do you think that proportion of people with, you know, like two out of 50 or whatever, say, you know, there were climate deniers and then some people that don't really care. And obviously there are some people that really love it. Is that a reflection of the fact that the their customers, the customer demographics are equal to that? And perhaps overall, they're just representative of the broader society? Um, I think potentially it's that. I think potentially it's also that over here, e-commerce people are pretty tired at the moment. Yeah, We've had you know, the crazy that was 2020, the crazy that was 2021, we're now having the crazy that's 2022. Uh, in terms of, the, you know, the big macro stuff that's going on, pandemic surges yeah. in, in demand, crashes in demand, uh, no staff anymore, supply chain issues. Now we've got rising inflation. There's a, It feels like every six months, there's a whole new world to get used to. So I think people are just tired trying to deal with the day to day. And of course, they're getting bombarded with all the stuff that you and me, when we, when we were agency owners and, and all the SaaS companies are doing. So you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this all the time. So I think there's just that, oh, I'm exhausted. I'm not really sure what to do. And I think there's also, um, I think one of the problems with trying to get e-commerce brands to embrace sustainability and to switch to a more sustainable space is if you say to Mike, you need to do SEO. Okay, how do I do SEO? Well, either you get a freelancer, you hire someone or you go to an agency and what they're going to do is they're going to do technical SEO. They're going to check out your indexing. They're going to create some, improve the content on your website and then they're going to get you some links. It's bang, bang, bang. This is what's going to happen. And I use SEO on purpose because Mm. it's not 100% 100% definite that if you do these things, you're going to get 100 grand in sales. But it, we all know it's quite easy to find out you want to become SEO good. This is what these are the steps you take. Making an e commerce brand, making any business sustainable is confusing and a nightmare because, from, from my understanding, and Giles, do, do correct me if I'm wrong on this because you are deeper into it than I am. But even working out how to make a business carbon neutral, which is the easier numbers game is nigh on impossible to find the perfect solution because everything is a caveat. Everything is a trade-off. Everything is a decision. So it's just so much harder than what we're used to in e-commerce. You know, we're usually making black and white decisions and all of a sudden we've got a decision that is entirely grey. If you compare it to, you know, when GDPR came in here in the in the Europe land, um, <laughs> you know, we had this whole all the grey everyone got confused and scared and and then it came in and oh look nothing really changed at all apart from a few more cookie pop-ups and hopefully a lot going on behind the scenes she says remembering she's supposed to be an ethical marketer she is an ethical marketer but we struggle with the grey 
and sustainability is so gray compared to black the black and whites of our, most of our marketing yeah you know it's why many e-commerce businesses are bad at pr and they're bad at brand is because it's where the gray is and we're just bad at that so i think that's that's a big reason why it's not happening is when we get tired and when you know when there's so many other things we could be doing we focus on the ones and the ones and zeros the black and white decisions not on the gray decisions i think you're exactly right and what you just said about sustainability is is 100% on the market it's, it is almost mind-bogglingly confusing complicated and 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 like like how what the best strategy for running facebook ads i suppose that you speak to two different marketers they'll give you two different different strategies that are working for them and the same with you know just about every perspective on on how to how to reduce your carbon footprint whether you should do this or shouldn't do that what materials you should be using whether this is better than that is recycling better than composting is composting better than reuse you know like all those all that kind of continual almost semi-religious debates we seem to get into in in the space make it all that much harder to for a poor little brand owner to work out what the heck to do next to do the right thing for the world and and build their branding and meet the needs of consumers at the same time it's very difficult it's so complicated and you know, you, you compare it to you know, the different Facebook ad strategies. Yeah, but you can test those. And within a couple of weeks, you know if the, you, it was the right or wrong decision because the money went up or the money went down. Um, whereas with all the sustainability piece, you know, I've I've had people on the podcast who have uh, who've raved about bamboo clothing. I've got others who are telling me bamboo's bad. And I've got some who, you know, who are doing all these great, you know, because uh, one of the reasons I'm, I personally focus on the, the carbon front is because it's a bit clearer but if you get into sustainability you've also got ethics and looking after the you know the human population and so forth so you know i've got amazing sustainable brands who are manufacturing in kenya and then shipping to sell in the us mm. is that okay mm. I, I don't know anymore um you know and, and it's it just gets there's so many layers to it. The consumer's confused and brands are confused. And as brands, we need to educate the consumers. But then you get, you know, in the uh, this week uh, on LinkedIn here in the UK, we've had a roll of content saying lithium is hideous because I think The Guardian did an article on how bad lithium is mined in some part of South America where they use too much water and create toxic ponds and uh, everyone's running out of drinking water because it's all going into lithium. Now that's that's one lithium processing place in the world and there's some very different approaches to lithium all around the place. So car batteries are not Satan, but we're suddenly hearing all of this and people are going, oh my God, and the people who are posting it and who are claiming to be you know, to be very knowledgeable about this, I've said, you know, have you checked out what's going on in Cornwall with the two two lithium mining companies in Cornwall who trust me are not doing it that way? And and they're like, oh, I hadn't heard of those. Like, yeah, but you're you're British and you're claiming to be a lithium expert. And anyway, she rants. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've also had one in the e-commerce space of there's been this the big backlash against um, selling secondhand clothing. It's like, well, oh yeah, yeah, it's not ideal <laughs> um, that there's clothing you you bought and you didn't want, but it's better than buying new, isn't it? Yeah. And it's all these confusing things. So I think it makes total sense that brands are nervous about talking about what they're doing because they're worried they're going to get accused of greenwashing or green green hushing or green something or doing something wrong or, you know, they've done 20 million things and then um, someone calls them out for the fact that, I don't know, the, the label that they printed for DPD has a actually wouldn't be DPD because they're very green but you know the label they printed for a another courier had a the wrong ink on it or something you know it's it's hard it's really hard it is hard and it's definitely not 
a level playing field, you know, with with brands that aren't making any of those claims. And yet at the same time, it seems to me that it's inevitable that as brands, we are all going to need to adapt and learn how to become, if not if not genuinely more purposeful, at least communicate clearly what we're doing to do better for the world. Because I do think that that is where consumers are expecting us to be as brands these days. And there's plenty of research now that to say that, you know, the, the consumer of today and probably tomorrow too, even more so, is voting with their feet and their wallets as to brands that they believe in that think that they believe to be doing a good thing um, versus brands that, you know, don't make the same claims, even if they're doing the same thing. Well, yeah, I think there's there's um, some fascinating stats that Clavio put out um, that they researched in the UK uh, in January this year. Yeah. And they found that 89% of people said that sustainability was important to them. Only 27% of people were regularly buying sustainable products. Now, you and I know as marketers, I suspect most of your listeners know what people say they do and what they actually do are generally, there's a bit of a difference in there. You know, we, we it's been proven by many psychologists that we will tell, even if the survey is simply on a screen, we want to look good to the survey. Mm. So we'll claim to be better than we are. But that's not 50 percentage points of difference. So I think that that big gap in the middle is down to brands not educating consumers. So in terms of the global, let's help the planet scenario, if the more brands can educate customers, the faster we will make these changes. But, um, you know, is, but the, the key is to be transparent. And that's something which, you know, I've only been exploring this world for, what, um, nine months actively now. I'm still a newbie to all of this. But the thing, the message which keeps coming through from the brands who are doing the best that I, that I chat to, that I interview, is transparency, transparency, transparency. Here's what we're doing. This is where we've made progress. This is where we're trying to get to. This is where we haven't managed to do it yet. Be it on social, be it on the homepage, be it on the About Us page, be it in their emails. It's always there. And one of the interesting discussions that I'm increasingly bringing up on my own podcast at the moment and when I'm talking to people is where does what's the role of the sustainability message in your marketing? Is it the hook that gets you the new customer? Is it the bit that gets you the sale, that gets the conversion when they get to the websites? They love the product, they come to the website, they see, oh, and they're sustainable, so I'll check out. Or is it something which you do post-purchase to educate the customer and build the relationship? So is it relationship building and story? Is it the hook that brings them in? Is it the conversion getter? And where that, that fits? And I think I get very different answers from different businesses i don't mm. think that there's a perfect piece but i think understanding where that fits in your product your customer journey is essential to success and to you know succeeding in re-educating customers as well yes you're absolutely so right and and i think one of the reasons why so many brands would give you one of those three answers at the expense of the others is partly because they probably don't and you know not wanting to cast aspersions here but they because most of the brands i start working with don't really have any idea who their customer is and what they want and that you know it's it which is yeah. which is it's always mind-boggling to me and i'm sure it is to you as well having owned an agency because it's the first thing we talk about who's the customer what do they want how do we solve it for them and so it, it's always amazing to me when you when you first start speaking to a brand and and you say who's your customer and they and they kind of give this arm wavy exercise which basically describes who they are <laughs> and, but not actually who's consuming and buying their product or the whole market <laughs> right we right want, we want yeah a, exactly a breathing human we want everybody we can we can help yeah. everyone no you can't 
we, we want someone who breathes, who's between the ages of 18 and 75, <laughs> who may have read a book once Perfect. in their lives and who walks at least 100 steps a day. That's that's our target market. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, absolutely. And and so it, it, uh, for that and, and so for that reason, I think people get very, very confused. But the, the reality is that it actually probably is all three of them just for different types of customers. Yeah. Because mo- while I say that we, you know, brands don't serve everyone, you know, like let's, let's say you're making, um, I don't know, let's say, let's say I always bring this one up cause it's easy. I've got one handy in front of me, a glasses case, right? You're making glasses case and it's going to be the best glasses case that there is on the planet. There's no doubt about that. Cause you've, you've discovered exactly what the customer is that they want. But when it comes to the sustainability part, there's different segments to their sustainability, their, their level of sustainability adoption. There's going to be the eco warriors who are going to be the people that make the choices based on being the most sustainable thing they can buy at all times at the expense of functionality, at the expense of usability and ease of use and all those things, because that's how they choose to live their life. Then there's the group of people who are kind of, uh, I guess, aspirational in a way. They, they they want to be that person. They want to be seen to be that person, but they're, they're not necessarily as flexible with their daily choices. They still want to have their problems solved and they want to be made to feel great about making their choice. And so that's a different, you know, what the first one is the sustainability hook. The second one is the hook of, you know, this is how I solve your problem. And by the way, this is good for the environment as well. And then, the, and then there's everyone else, which is I just want the thing to work properly. Thanks very much. Don't really care about the rest of it. And then it's your job and your responsibility as the brand to educate them, you know, into the sustainability part of it. So they they become wiser and hopefully they they will see you as more valuable in the long term as well. So they'll keep coming back to buy from you. So I think it's actually all three of those. But the reason people don't be able, aren't able to tell you that is they don't really know who their customer is. Yeah. And I, I think it, it's kind of verging slightly off sustainability for a second, but that knowledge of the customer and the customer's desires and wants, the whole empathy piece, if we can use a, a big emotions word there, um, that is going to be essential for a successful 2022 and even more important for a successful 2023. Because we have increased competition, the alg- you know, the, the brilliant changes, she says, as a human, not as a performance marketer. Brilliant changes to privacy. I can see Giles grimacing on the on the video because he knew what I was going to say. <laughs> um, and he's going, oh, but they, they made ads so much harder. But the algorithms are not as strong as they used to be on the targeting front. So we have to make our creative work on Facebook ads, mm. on Google ads, on TikTok, in our organic social, in our email, on our website. We need the right messaging. And it's something we've been able to ignore for probably the last decade in e-commerce as the land grab has been going on. The land yeah. grab phase is now over. You've now got to work really hard. And if you don't know why your customer chooses your product sector, why your customer chooses your specific product and why they want to buy from you, you cannot resonate with them. You cannot manage to get get the sale. You are not going to get the ROI you deserve. So you know, it, it's essential. And, and part of that is then understanding where this sustainability piece piece creeps in. One thing which I think is relevant for every single brand, however, however much they embrace sustainability or not, is something which Mintel, the big research agency coined at the beginning of this was their, their trend predictions for 2022 consumer trend predictions. And one of the three, don't ask me what the other two were, can't remember, they weren't as, as cool as this one, um, was the ethics check which is literally the pretty bullet pointed list of things your business is, which 
should definitely be on your about us page should possibly be in your footer possibly on your homepage, possibly in all your emails depending on how eco warrior or not your customers are but things like black owned female owned minority owned um carbon neutral by x no plastic packaging uh we use bamboo, not cotton, to save water. Whatever those might be, the one-liners to enable people to mm. go, oh, okay, 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 okay. So as when they, or vegan-friendly, or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. so as as the person's checking out, they go, oh, hold on a minute. Oh, let's just check. Are they vegan? Oh, they are vegan-friendly. Okay, brilliant. Now I can carry on through. And I think that is the the one bit of sustainability messaging that no business has an excuse not to be doing yeah we call those confidence badges and and you're you're oh, you're, nice. you're, exa- you're you're exactly right because it because they very quickly in iconography i don't i can't say that word in in iconography convey the message of um hygiene factors that that yeah. customers are, are trying to tick off in mentally to go yep yep i'm happy with that i'm happy with that and actually when it comes down to uh a, a, as a brand if you if you get into some corporate uh, work if you if you work with corporates or if you you know if you're in corporate gifting or any of that kind of stuff having that set selection of ethical check boxes that they can quickly go down is pretty much essential to getting across and getting making those sales these days because all all the corporates have their own set of internal ESG things that they, they need to meet and you know certainly here in Australia being things like you know sustainable female owned made in Australia all those sorts of things are are things that are very very important to um to corporates and if you can present that in a consumable way it's going to make your sale easy it's just about once again knowing your customer knowing who you're talking to yeah it's it's interesting you bring up the corporate side of things because something again not quite to do with sustainability but something i found this year is that increasingly a shopify brand a d2c brand you know whatever platform they're selling on um are most likely to be also selling wholesale before they're also selling on amazon that's partly anecdotal, guys. I have no, I have no precise stats to back this up, but the wholesale selling is becoming a really big thing, and your wholesale customers, just like the corporate buyers, they want that tick list. They want to know, do you fit with their aims? You, you have sort of opened the door to an interesting, an interesting choice of strategy there, i.e., wholesale versus other online channels. So, what have you seen from discussions with other? particularly sustainable brands about what's actually working for them to grow their business what what strategies do you think that they're using is there anything is there any commonality that you've seen to the way that they're doing things that's working for them well everyone this is going to be an annoying answer (laughs) i warn you that you're not going to like this one they have a rock iron grip on who their customer is going back to your earlier point giles it is the bit which is separating the super sustainable the super successful sustainable yeah. brands from everyone else is that they know they know why their customer buys they know why their product is better they know what is appealing to them they've got to grips with where the price point should be they are creating content and story and you know building relationships that reflect what the consumer wants to see and that goes for both those who are going after the consumer who's already out there looking for the sustainable option and the sustainable brands who are after the consumer who just wants a watch or just wants a handbag or just wants insert product name here. And it is that rock iron grip on our customer, what our customer wants, why they're buying from us and an understanding of how that is shifting as inflation starts rising and all these other issues are coming into play. Um, You know, I know some, I, I spoke to one in particular, they were, they were changing because they listen to their customers so well, 
they knew their customers cared more about switching to care more about value than caring about the sustainability side or the great skin um, care side of their product. So they were switching all their messaging, ads, marketing, uh, website from being sustainability and skincare first. They're a, a baby wipes brand, so a reusable baby wipe system to the fact that if you buy their system as you're on the week your baby's born, you're going to save X hundred pounds a year between then and when the child gets to eight or whatever age it is, they stop using the baby wipes. So they were moving where the sustainability piece fits because they knew that's mm. what would enable them to achieve achieve their goals the, the best. Mm. So, um, mm. so yeah, rock iron understanding of the customer, which, sorry, guys, I know that's an annoying answer, but it is the honest one. Well, it's not not at all because I think I think you know music to my ears because it's something that I literally preach. Um, you know, it's the first thing we do when people come into my program. It's like, what? Who's your customer? Let's figure that out. Let's go and do that, and then and then we go through the whole process of you know them telling us who they think it is, and then they, and then we ask them to give us a whole bunch of their customers, and then we go and talk to their customers and find out who it really is. You know, and and sometimes they meet up, but uh, sometimes you know, <laughs> always that's an interesting process. I think you're 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 exactly on the head there. So, how does that get leveraged? I mean, you talked about there you know, uh, going into messaging, obviously, does, do you think that that is something that gets deployed across all channels? Is it something that is a consistent thing that they need to do? You know, whether they're, whether they're talking to their wholesale partners, whether they're talking to their, to corporate buyers, whether they're talking to the retail customers, whether they're on Facebook, whether they're on Google, is that something, is that the core thing that they need to do across everything? Or is it just, is it, is it more relevant for, you know, online and digital marketing than, than offline? I'll be honest, that isn't something I've got deep into with anyone, but I can't see why it wouldn't be everywhere. I haven't said, do you, do you maintain this level of messaging across all channels? But if you're going to honestly put your vision, your mission, your values, your understanding of the customer at the heart of your business, then it has to be everywhere. And it has to, you know, to to link through to where you're selling to. Um, I mean, I recorded an, an episode yesterday. So this one um, probably isn't live by the time everyone's listening to this with a company called Gusto Snacks, who take uh, leftover Apple products, dry them out into crisps and um, flavor them with different things and they've just secured a listing in a listing in Selfridges so that um, you know that department store of all department stores sitting Mm. on um, Oxford Street now they are all deep into sustainability in the business with a healthy level of this is much healthier for you than a you know normal crisp but they're they will have got into Selfridges I would bet on the fact they are sustainable that would have been, I would think, a very important part of it. Yeah. Um, and their branding is great. The product is great and it's healthier. So it kind of it ticks the boxes that I would imagine Selfridge's target customer after. And they are going to use that listing, <laughs> that placement. That's going to be all over their marketing very, very yeah. soon because it gives them that social proof. Um, I guess it's another confidence badge. But so I, I don't think if you're really going after you know if you're really a sustainable brand and someone who's hugely unsustainable wants to stock you I think there's a lot of heart scratching at that point of do you agree to do it or do you not Um, Mm. so I think it has to be through through everything yeah fascinating Uh, I also agree I think it's across everything I think it's uh, some adjustments will be made for different channels but ultimately you know the story is the story 
And if the story is stacking up and the story is genuinely mapped to who your target customer is, then it makes sense that it would be everywhere. And actually, I can give you one marketing method if you want something a bit, bit more practical that I'm seeing sustainable brands do particularly Go for well. It. Um, partnerships. This is something which I think the the e-commerce world has neglected in its quest for the ultimate Facebook ad, <laughs> which is partnering with all sorts of different bodies, different things that will enable a transfer of trust from their audience to your brand because they're the one promoting you. And mm. this, for me, comes in multiple different formats. So you've got partnering with other brands. You know, um, Gusto, who I just mentioned, they did. They started the launch of their brand by getting their brand into um, uh, subscription boxes. You know, so they partnered with subscription boxes to get their brand in front of the right target customer, find out what people thought about the product and so forth. Um, you can also do, you know, with work with other brands to swap parcel inserts, to swap um, ads on order confirmation pages, to send emails to each other's customers, promote each other's social posts, et cetera, et cetera. It feels like there's a lot more collaboration in the sustainability space than there is in normal e-commerce. Then you can partner with uh, with press and, and PR comes into this a little bit as well. You can then partner with influencers, um, which more than enough has been said on that. So I'll gloss over that one fairly quickly. Um, and then you can also partner with your own customers. I've, I seem to see in the sustainability space, there's a lot more encouragement of customers passing on the recommendation to other people, whether that's because you spend a lot of the post-purchase activity convincing them and telling them the story and giving them the means to go and brag about the product to you know another another person or whether that's because they're being incentivized via a loyalty program or a referral program or something else or you're simply putting a voucher for a friend in the parcel I think there's a lot more how can we collaborate seems to be much more of a thing in the sustainability space than it is in normal e-commerce and I think that's because the big aim of everybody is not to build a hugely successful business it's to build a hugely successful business in order to help save the human friendly planet and that brings everyone together in that and it's it's been it's been lovely hanging out in sustainability land this year because everyone's so so collaborative and so helpful yeah and look i've experienced the exact same thing so i totally think you're right there i, I because it's because we're all on the same the same mission ultimately and you know just as a, as a sort of anecdotal proof of that we know when i started this podcast I didn't know if I'd get anybody on the show. You know, I genuinely didn't know if anybody would want to come on, talk to me about what they're doing and share their secrets and their their wins and failures with pretty much anybody else that wanted to listen. Because I can tell you from back in the old Amazon days, you know, everyone is super tight-lipped about what it is they do. If they find a strategy that works, nobody wants to talk about it in case anybody else does it. And uh, But that has not been my experience with sustainable brands and, and their founders, is that they seem to be a lot more open to collaborate, to in, uh, interact with each other and want to help each other succeed because we're all on the same mission. We're all on the same agenda one way or another. So I think you're exactly right. There's there's three brands I've interviewed since I started, you know, in the last year who are startups who have already made their platform available to other brands. Um, one who's creating fashion in the UK, like doing the full manufacturing process in the UK. And I think within about six months, she'd started, you know, going, we've got this system. Come stop, stop making it elsewhere and make it in the UK. Um, there's another brand who do this, this amazing fashion piece of you see the collection, you order your pieces, then they manufacture to order season by season. And they've just done their first launch with another brand using their process. 
which removes all the waste from the fashion production line, basically. Yeah. And then the third one is is an amazing entrepreneur who she's created a secondhand store you can bolt onto your to your your site that gives you a commission on your customers' sales of your own products. And right. she's gone like built that and within a month was talking to some of the biggest uh, brands in the world about how they could take on her stuff. He's like, wow, you didn't, didn't just go my, my business. No, let's help everybody else. It's like, it's super practical. It's yeah. really working to help others, not just if someone asks, I'll help. It's really proactive. Yeah. And I think, you know, that, that there's a real need for that because the, the truth is that, you know, while we like to to think that sustainability is not necessarily more expensive than doing things in an unsustainable way usually it is there are definitely models where it isn't uh but but the reason for that is largely due to economies of scale and so you know if we can if we can partner if we can do the things like you were describing for the fashion brand there well obviously they want to do their own things but if they can help to scale up and make that more efficient by having other brands use it it helps them as well so there's this kind of mutual interest in doing that yeah and i think it's you know any it is it can in some areas it can be more expensive to do the sustainability piece i've just gone through a truly painful but not as painful as i thought it was going to be um month or so of of moving all of our banking business and personal away from horrible banks and over to good banks which is a an easy switch you can make in the world of sustainability and i was like oh god this is going to take me forever and mm. i you know i'm going to have to look at everybody's reports and all the rest of it and then discovered a couple of websites that have just done it all for me i was like wow they say they say, fast track my progress by months and save yeah. me an awful lot of hours of research and it it feels like if there's a problem you've got in sustainability if you're trying to work out whether you should use tin cans or tetra packs if you're trying to work out whether you should use bamboo or cotton or whether you should should uh you know manufacture on land in, in your own country because on land or sea doesn't make any sense, Chloe. If you're going to manufacture it in your country or overseas, someone's probably found an easy way for you to analyse that that's going to save you money and time over what previously happened um, or the previous method. So asking the question, you know, I only found out about these websites because I asked my LinkedIn audience, you know, who, what should I do? Where do I go with my banking? And they went, oh, look at this website. Well, that's genius. <laughs> you just saved yeah. me a day. Um, but it's, this help is coming and it's moving so fast that I think, you know, that I think very soon it's going to become cheaper to do it the sustainable way. I certainly hope so. I, I think that's what we what we all hope for. And coming right back full circle to your earlier commentary around the brands that, that are out there thinking that it's not necessarily central to what they should be doing that's not a, a big signal to you to say, yes, it should be, because pretty soon it's not only going to be expected, but it's going to be cheaper then, you know, now's a good time to start getting involved. Very much so. And like the simple head office stuff, let's face it, it's a lot easier to make your head office net zero than it is to make your production line net zero. Mostly the head office stuff is going to be cheaper. You know, you change the light bulbs, that's cheaper. You change your electricity supplier, probably cheaper. Um, you change, uh, you know, you, you change your travel policy for your team, cheaper. Um, you know, I know I know multiple co companies at the moment whose staff are asking for pay rises because the cost of living is going up. And they're going, well, we just gave you all the right to work from home 50% of the time. So you've just had a massive income boost, you know, there's there's huge, huge benefits to it all. You know, and on the banking front, it's going to cost us a lot less money a year and we're going to get a lot more cash back because of the changes we've made. So it, increasingly, if you make these changes, it's actually good for the 
good for the, the bottom line of the business as well as being better for the planet. And it just starts that mindset shift as you then start to go and tackle the more complex stuff. Perfect. Well, Chloe, I'm, I don't want to overstay my welcome with you. So I'm going to thank you very much. It's been a fascinating and very fun conversation chatting with you and getting some insights from the north half of the world. <laughs> and 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 uh, thank you very much for sharing your knowledge uh, with my listeners. It's, it's been terrific. It's been love, lovely chatting with you, Giles. Thanks for, for letting me me rant about sustainability for on a podcast. This is literally the home of sustainability rants, so I've got no issue with that <laughs> at all. And, and I, appreciate, I appreciate your very uh, educated and experienced take on it all as well. Thank you. Good luck for the next 500 podcasts or 400 podcasts or whatever <laughs> it actually is for the, for the e-commerce yeah. master plan. Uh, I'm a little bit behind, but, uh, you know, maybe... Um, one day I'll catch up. No, that's never going to happen because you produce them at the same rate as I do. Anyway, you're always going to be ahead of me on that, on that, and therefore you'll always be my hero. And with that, I'm going to say goodbye, Chloe. Thank you very much. Thanks, Giles. Back to Giles again for my top three takeouts. It was so great to get the Northern Hemisphere perspective from someone who speaks to many different sustainable brands, and it was hard to restrict myself to three. So once again, I'm going to epically fail and give you the four things that are absolutely buzzing around my head as a result of chatting with Chloe. And firstly, the market in the UK and EU has taken a bit of a backstep away from sustainability being a central value driver, and currently isn't the first thing on the customer's wish list in the same way as perhaps it has been for the last couple of years. Granted, there's always a disparity between what people say and what they actually do, especially when it comes to spending their hard-earned cash. But when sustainable brands start to revise their whole messaging around cost-effectiveness, you can bet a real shift is underway. Now, the question for us down here in Australia is, are we in the same boat? My gut feel is what I'm seeing is that the transition is certainly underway, but we're not there yet. The latest inflation print from the June quarter had CPI in Australia pegged at around about 6%, which is certainly a significantly higher rate than we've seen previously. But when you compare that to the UK at approximately 10% and the Eurozone already over 11%, we're thankfully a little bit behind. Now, I'm not an economist by any stretch, but my thoughts are to enjoy this coming sales season, but do be prepared to take a fresh look at your messaging and start preparing for some margin erosion through 2023. Best case, I'm wrong and you're left in a solid footing. Does that mean throw away your sustainability messaging? No, 100% not. But it is worth looking at how your products can save the customer money as well as being good for the environment and amplifying that part of your story. That then leads nicely onto my second takeout, which might end up sounding like a well-beaten drum. And honestly, I make no apology for it. The last decade in e-commerce has been a kind of digital land grab, and the relative ease of spinning up ads in platforms like Facebook has allowed marketers to frankly get away without truly knowing their customers. And agencies in particular have often got very lazy, relying on deals to drive sales because it takes a lot longer to really understand their brand's customers. But heading into 2023 with everything we've just talked about, if you don't really know your customer, know why they buy your products, how and why they use them, what their pain points are and what their pressures are, I can practically guarantee that your growth is going to face some very significant headwinds. If you're running a sustainable brand, feel free to download our Conscious Choice Avatar Worksheet, and I'll provide a link in the show notes for that. And if you're not sure, arrange a call with me to see if we can help you. 
honestly, this is so important that if you're not sure who your core customer is, or if you understand that it may have changed and you're not sure exactly what's missing, I would not start budgeting your marketing for next year until you have figured this out. And talking of budgeting costs, Chloe made a super valid point about how sustainability doesn't have to cost you more. I myself often get caught up in supply chain and cost of sustainable materials, but Chloe brought a much needed reality check in that sustainability also includes stuff like your choices of energy provider, the type of light fittings you use, the banks you're using, where you're hosting, what mobile phone provider you're using, and a great many other choices that you can make that will by and large end up being both cheaper and better for the environment. And if you find yourself in a position over the next couple of years where cost savings becomes something you're looking at, this is a great time to think about the sustainable choices you can make at the same time. Lastly, Chloe mentioned that one of the key strategies she's seen being leveraged really well by sustainable brands is partnerships. Now, sometimes when something seems obvious to you, you don't realize how unusual it is. But I agree with Chloe that the world of sustainable brands is way more collaborative than in other business arenas. We are all on the same mission after all. If your brand is just getting started out, working with a more established brand is a great way to expand your influence really, really quickly. And assuming you pick carefully could be a lot more cost effective for you than running top of funnel ads. If you're on the flip side of that equation, who could you partner with to significantly widen your net? With choppy waters ahead economically, having a few good partnerships underway is a great way to stabilize the uncertainty you're likely to see in your digital funnels. So I hope you enjoyed today's chat that I had with Chloe, an absolute legend in e-commerce podcasting. I'm still feeling humbled and immensely grateful that she took the time to chat with me. I'll be back with you again next week with another inspiring founder interview from the world of sustainable e-commerce. So until then, keep building your brand for a healthier planet.